Thanks to HelloFresh for supporting FilmSack. Go to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSack12 and use the code FilmSack12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. Hey Ripley, I want to ask you a question. If they find what they're looking for out there, does that mean we get full shares? Don't worry, Parker, yeah. You'll get whatever's coming to you. Look, I'm not going to do any more work. We get this straightened out. Brett, you're guaranteed by law to get a share. What? Why don't you just f*** off? What? Oh, come on, knock it off. This is Filmsack. Oh, sure. Welcome, one and all, to Film Sack. This is Film Sack, mining the very depths of film entertainment for all mankind, episode 517. Yes, I've corrected the order. It's 517 now. I know <laughs> I screwed that up for the last couple of weeks. Whenever we do a bonus thing or a watch along, I, I F that up, but I, that's never going to happen again, says the guy who's done it a thousand times. Never. Until next week. <laughs> yeah, never ever. Uh, hey, welcome back to Film Sack, everybody. Very excited about this one. I'm Scott Johnson, joined today by Brian. Is that a Muppet in your chest, or are you just happy to see me done away? Oh, hi. Hey, guys, over here. I done slipped into a pit of large leathery eggs while exploring this crashed alien spaceship that we're on. And you know what? I think I'm kind of regretting that we listened to our ship's AI mainframe future computer, Mother 6000, who woke us up from our cryo sleep during our trip back to Earth to investigate an SOS signal on this deep space moon. (sighs) Is that enough context for you? Anywho, is anybody else flossing? Because I was pretty groggy when we got up from cryosleep, and I am almost positive I grabbed someone else's underwear. Oh, yeah. I'm looking now, and these totally say property of Ripley on them. My bad. Hey, Ripley, how are you enjoying those low-cut bikinis of mine? Just pray to God you don't have to get naked. They have zero ass-crack coverage, pretty much just for covering up your lucky star. Oh, my lucky star. Uh, oh, hold on a second. One of these eggs is moving. It appears to be alive. I'm going in for a closer look because that seems like a good idea. Nope. Bad idea. I got something trying to hug my face through my helmet. No, man. I'm getting a real good close-up look at the underside of this thing. It looks, it looks, well, I'm just going to be honest. It looks like a bunch of vaginas made out of clams. Okay. I didn't, I didn't see my end coming like this for me, but I'm willing to accept my fate. Stuck in a moon in space, flossing in somebody else's underwear and being face-hugged to death by an alien vagina clam. Randy, <laughs> tell my family I love them and that I died on the shitter eating a fried peanut butter and banana sandwich. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Just like Elvis. He told that whole story from the uh, the perspective of John Hurt. Well done. Yeah, John, right. he got hurt. The late, great John yeah. Hurt. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about also, there's a death order in this we got to talk about. Don't let me forget that. We definitely have to talk about that, yeah. yes. Also with us, Randy, his blood is as white and creamy as milk, Jordan. Aloha, Scott. Brian. Yes. Brian. Okay, Randy. listen up. I know we're just a small crew of people. People. We're all people who look like we're part of the band Boston and we're months from home on an alien planetoid that just happens to have the same gravity as Earth. 
And I know that something has invaded our unbelievably massive spaceship with its huge wide corridors and its magical ability to handle us smoking cigarettes inside. But we're going to get through this and we're going to survive if you all just listen to me and follow the advice I laid out in my book. How to make sure your all-human crew survives an alien invading your ship. <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad you guys brought me with you. Okay, so let's run down my three easy rules for survival. Number one, everyone stays together. Hey, Franklin? Fr oh, Smitty? Whatever your typical name is in a group of semi-military people. Listen, I see you trying to go alien hunting by yourself. Get back here. Right back. What is wrong with you? Oh, number two, Smitty. we will not split up. Have you ever played video games? Any of you? Okay, here's how it works. If we split up, one of us will pull the boss solo, and then we'll all wipe. Smitty, Junior, what's your... Stop trying to Leroy Jenkins into the egg room. Number three, do not break up. What is wrong with you people? Wait a minute, break up. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if Chicago? I What? What'd you say? Huh? <clears throat> Chicago? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Well done. Uh, also with us, and finally, Brian never looked directly into his egg sack hibbit. Oh Ooh. no! Avert your eyes, Marianne. Mm. Marianne. 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 <laughs> Marianne. That's it. I've done. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> That's my intro. Nice. Well done. All right. Is the room secure? Okay. All right. The room is secure. Okay, boys, the Nostromo is about to go on its mining mission, but we've got a primary goal that only the company and the two of you are going to know about. Yes, we're secretly going to put you two cyborg, or I mean, android uh, robots among the crew. You will infiltrate and endear yourself to the crew. You'll, you'll become such an integral part of the crew, nobody will even suspect you. You'll even help them install Christmas, uh, Christmas lights on the landing gear. <laughs> now... Let's get to your mission. We need to ensure the safe return of a xenomorph from LV-426. Don't, don't look at me. I didn't name it. This xenomorph is what we call a perfect organism, except that it leaves its goo everywhere and it has a really hard time with pipes that hiss. Anyway, the xenomorph starts as a face hugger and nag, latches itself onto a host, and then deposits its offspring into the host's chest. It's an incredibly detailed process, and we really need to study and learn everything we can about it. But once the chestburster escapes and kills the host, eh, just go ahead and throw that body out into space. Now, you two robots have a very important mission. Ash, as science officer, will need you to make sure the team goes out to the derelict ship to the egg chamber. Make sure that whoever encounters the facehugger gets back on the ship and that the xenomorph is given everything it needs to hatch and feed on the crew. Jonesy, your job is just be a dick of a cat. Lock yourself in lockers, jump out and hiss to the crew, maybe even take a crap in the food rehydrator. I don't know. Uh, oh, and escort the perfect organism to the shuttle pod just in case we need to bring it back. Okay, you have your orders. Go! <laughs> Wow. Is there... What, Jonesy was, 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 was a robot. Jonesy a, oh, oh, my God. That's, oh, that's brilliant. Shit. That's brilliant. See? Was, explains so much. Shit. How does that cat get into a locker if was he's not Jonesy, a robot? Wow. Was, was he anything other... Did he act... Any, I thought he acted like the perfect cat. Uh, he uh, acts yeah, like exactly, all cats. Yeah. Exactly. If you're used to cats, that cat was dead on, man. What a jerk. <laughs> right. That cat was the, was the perfect uh, perfect cat. Cats are I'm dicks. glad I wasn't the only one who had to, to, to suffer in my intro of going, oh, God. I've got to contextualize what the hell is going on. Yeah. It's yes. going to be tough because, it's, you know, it's in space, in the future. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to come up with ancillary characters to do your, your intro the, from the point of view of when there's just seven people on the ship. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. 
By the way, the year uh, the year that supposedly uh, this takes place is yeah. uh, the, let's see, twenty eighty nine. Twenty eighty. Oh, right. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Pretty. Uh, Prometheus takes place in 2093, so this uh, can't be the right. prequels. Yeah, okay. so it must be later. Oh, here it is. It has to be later. 20, um, the conclusion is that Aliens setting is 2121. So now, is that cool. Aliens or Alien? Uh, alien, the original Alien. And okay, Aliens, okay. of course, a bunch of time goes by because she's in cryosleep for a long time, right? They're like years past. 59 or, years, yeah. something like that. Yeah, some weird yeah. thing like that. I she, was just, I was really glad they didn't put a date on it. Like, I, it, it really helped me to start yeah. this movie and go, okay, this is as far in the future as I need it to be. Yeah. Like, yeah. We didn't need to know what the date was. You're right. No. You're totally right. No. You're totally right. But this thing, this movie, man, Alien is so important in this way because it establishes this template. I I think at the time, a new template that would then be used by a billion people over and over and over for different movies and TV shows. But this template of cryo-sleeping, bunch of people, they're tired, now they're eating in the galley, they're all sweaty mm-hmm. and look like shit, and they're talking. Rusty. and you know yeah. acting like it's it's all it's I, they all very could have looked worse like oh, yeah. after sleeping for months you could look like they all kind of came up looking nicely shaved except for uh, uh the lead singer of boston there and you know it's like <laughs> it was just like <laughs> you're of course referring to who tom scarrett when you mentioned yeah, dallas? you're talking yeah. dallas yeah yeah <laughs> yeah tom yeah, scarrett said Chicago for you. you said boston didn't you yeah he said boston but he's got a bit of a like a helmet head yeah I'll give you that. That hair was... Uh, see, that's the funny thing about Alien. I feel like this movie holds up in so many ways, uh, and one of the ways is visually, but he is out of place visually. Like, he's fine as an actor, and Dallas is a great character, but right. his haircut combo mustache business feels mm. like, if that's the future, let's I, go to the past, man. That locks, right, that locks the filming into a certain time. Yes, that that takes you out of the picture. I see what you're saying. Yeah, that totally makes sense. But nobody else does. Like the rest of uh, everybody, the rest of that crew, they all look fine. I think Ripley's hair is fine. None of them seem like a time. None of them seem like 79 people. If you don't know it, it, it feels like a movie that could uh-huh. have been made a few years ago. You know, if we just didn't know any better about these actors, and I love that about it. Like Alien, man. I just want to make it clear: we're finally watching Alien. You yeah. guys, Film Sack is covering greatest- Alien. Oh. sci-fi horror movies of all time yeah it's in my top i don't know 10 15 all-time movies just straight up mm-hmm. ever yeah. yeah and it's so good in so many ways but i just cannot state overstate the idea that this is a founding principle in in uh like space horror like this doesn't really exist up to this point and everyone's tried or not everyone but there have been a lot of attempts since then to make a horror movie in space and none of them are as good as this. Like it is so I, good. I, I think I've told you guys this, but um, I'm putting together a, uh, a the ultimate viewer's guide to uh, showing your kid movies. Mm. And so, like, it <clears throat> starts when when your kid turns 12, and it's a movie a week until they turn 18. And uh, it's it's a, a huge task. <laughs> I, it's a, like I just <laughs> I just had this idea that I wanted my child to get a film education, you know, at home with me. Yeah. And so I just started making, you know, a list because it's like, well, there's going to be some movies that we could start watching, uh, you know, immediately because they're rated PG and then we'll get into the PG 13 movies. And we'll get into the rated R movies. And so I need to I have like a list, right. I it, the list needs to like go in sort of a, an order of difficulty, right. <laughs> so, yeah, and yeah. Anyway. So like I started with uh, this uh, list on empire online.com of the, 
uh, 500 greatest movies of all time. Mm. And I've just been, I've been looking at that every day that I've been working on this little project. Right. And uh, Alien, the, this movie that we're sacking right now, Alien is the number 33 greatest movie of all time oh, wow. on that list. It's pretty high. And uh, I have, I have some questions because that puts it above, that puts it above some movies that are, in my opinion, objectively better. Well, so this is the problem, right? Like, you right. say objectively, but it's still, well, it's impossible. We've talked about, right, we talked about this a lot in the past, and it's according to what angle a list is coming in at, is the question, is it a solid movie, well-written, film? There's a bunch of aspects, but one of the most important aspects of it to me is how far and how heavy do they weigh in on the film impact either on culture society or the movie industry which which we so, which we boil down to the word importance it's an important right. film it's right very influential important. yeah yeah it influences a lot of other things that to me is you know important and so yeah if you're talking about its influence i think this is absolute dirty it's probably it's probably about right a little yeah. low Oh, you mean right. low? Yeah, no, it feels I, feels about right to me. I mean, if you're talking about influence in horror or um, you know, uh, space horror or space paranoia right. or all that, then I'd, it's got to be higher. But see, that's the problem. Quantifying this stuff is a fool's errand. You can't. You can yeah, do. You yeah. can do a pretty good job, and especially do it as as a list of like from your perspective, which is why I really like what Randy's making. I think this is a very cool idea. Uh-huh, um, right, but there's you're never going to go into a room of 10 people and have them all agree on that 10 on that top 100 they're yeah. never going to do it yeah just never going to happen yeah. and they'll right. they may we're, agree right. on some so, but they're so, going to swap them around and move them around and that'll just be how it is yeah so like my goal my goal for starting at 12 and ending at 18 is only going to end up with like 350 movies yeah and so <laughs> <Only>. like <laughs> just just starting with this list of the top 500 i'm still sort of scratching my head like I I am personally, you know, like going way down the list into the 400s, you know, mm-hmm. to to find some of the this what I think of as the top 350 basically. Yeah. And and, and I would ruin your list entirely cuz I would put Fury Road higher than anyone and <laughs> I would get right. in trouble for that. So, you know. Which and again, I'm not trying to put it in an, an order, uh, you know, where like you end on the best, right? I'm right. trying to put right. it in an order that I think is uh, appropriate for the growing brain. I like you know? that. Yeah, no, that's that's a cool idea. Actually, I would I would like to see this list when you're done with it, and just it could be a, even a fun discussion. And rip it to shreds and rip it to pieces. <laughs> um, the Empire, your list the is Empire, incorrect. Also, the Empire Online top 500 uh, was made in 2008, so oh, there's all right. kinds of movies yeah. like Fury Road that I have to think about. Yeah, Into the Spider Verse goes, you know, moves up to near the top of the list. Things like things like that. Exactly. Yeah. Lots of modern stuff. Got to get in there. Um, well, yep. so this this was a series that Tristan and I did sequentially when he probably probably turned about 13 or 14. Just Perfect. went through the first well we went through the first four yeah. and uh loved it like he was so into it uh we did them one day after another and um and he was asking oh when are we watching when are we watching the third one when are we watching the fourth one he got so into it so that's awesome yeah this is <clears throat> the this rip- is a good the, age for kids to to watch this I, I agree and the ripley canon is is you know there's a lot of really you know strong opinions about three and four not being great we're gonna watch those on film sack um yep. kind of in order uh, the next one will be aliens won't be next week but we're gonna spread them out um but the the entire ripley canon is something i just hold um 
a little deer. I really like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and even when it stumbles and it's not perfect and whatever, and it doesn't hold up to previous entries in this, in the series, I just kind of don't care. I just really like the, the entire arc. And, um, and that's, that's, that's cool that you got to do that when he was 13. I mean, Ridley Scott is just like, you know, so many great films out of him have been on this show and on mm-hmm. other people's top movies. In fact, we have seen not nearly enough. We've only seen three Ridley Scott movies here. Alien, Blade right. Runner, and Matchstick Men, and that's it. Oh, wow. Yeah. We need to broaden that out and see other things, too, because he's <laughs> great. Love me some Ridley sure. Scott. Yeah. Um, you know, you could argue that uh, the two prequels, Covenant and uh, Prometheus, are both Prometheus. troublesome. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but I kind of like those too. <laughs> so I, I feel like them. I need to revisit them because I, I only saw them once each. Um, what? what yeah. uh, okay, so I haven't. I know that Prometheus uh, is is a, a point of conversation for a lot of people. I've never went out and read any criticism on Prometheus because I watched it, had zero expectations. Uh, and loved it is I, I love just turning this one on and just watching it. And I mean, here's the reason people, the basic thing boils down to people don't like that. Everyone's so dumb in it. And right. By, by dumb. Have, I you, mean, have like, they never seen horror movies? I, they exactly. have to be dumb. <laughs> exactly. Otherwise it would be, right? it would be people making wise choices and leaving situations. Right. right. And, the, and the movie would be 10 minutes long, 10 minutes yeah. long. Right. It's like, Oh no, uh, <laughs> bad planet. Let's just get out of here. Yeah. sounds good yeah. to me. Okay. I think, I mean, if we, some... if we didn't have the stupidity of Kane leaning over, looking inside of an egg that is pulsating by himself, we would never right. have a chest burster scene. So if, right. yeah, of course. And yeah. you know, no, I mean, agree. Ripley, yeah, so I, I mean, of course they're dumb. I agree with that, I, yeah. but I, I think they think they're dumb in a way that's like too reminiscent of the first. Like they were kind of trying to cre- recreate the first film. You're not, you're really shifty about the the uh, robot. You don't know what he's up to. You think he might be up to something gnarly. The humans all right. make bad decisions. They get picked off one by one um, in different ways, wildly different you ways. You just, just described alien, a horror film. I mean, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. That's why I like Prometheus. I think it's fine. Plus, you know, everyone who gets pissed that, uh, Furiosa stands still while the giant ring lands on her. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Right. Who cares? And I want to, I want to really draw this distinction because Dunaway is onto something here. I, I realized while watching this film with you guys yesterday, uh, I've never seen this movie. I, I have seen oh, a lot excellent. of. I've seen a lot of the scenes, and I've I've definitely awesome. I wow. definitely haven't seen any of the rest of the Alien films yeah. at all, like any of them. Really? And I I <laughs> like I was think I was realizing like oh I I recognize like I recognize the scene where they first bring uh, John Hurt back into the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had never seen. I'd never even thought about the whole. Uh, the whole thing around Ian Holm, Ian Holm's the one that lets them on. I didn't know that. I didn't know anything about that. And so it's like, I realized that's when I realized, Oh, I, I really haven't seen this movie. I've just seen bits and pieces of it over and over. Wow. And over. We have and been like, gifted a yeah. big, been- uh, like a big thing that you don't know if you've never seen this movie and you just think of it, you know, as in its cultural place is that space jockey corpse, with the mm-hmm. hole pointing out of its chest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right, right. That was all new to me. And it was very exciting, very, very interesting, uh, you know, bit of world building around that. Oh yeah. In this movie. Yeah. And, uh, my, my point is that, um, I came into this movie, uh, thinking of it, like you th- might think of, uh, 2001. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so like, they're all coming out of crisis and, 
Is that not, that's not the right word. No, Crystasis. They're all coming out of a very, very visually intensive video game. (laughs) Um, No, uh, they're all coming out of stasis and I'm looking at the ship and the, by the way, the movie wants you to, I mean, this is a side point that we should really unpack a little bit more, but the, this is a movie that desperately wants you to pay attention to the set. Yeah, the set right. is everything. Oh yeah, that ship is awesome. Freaking okay, love but, it. But, but anyway, I'm I'm coming into this thing watching it for the sci-fi, and then these guys are sitting around a table smoking, and I'm like, okay, stop. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Ah, uh, so good because and, you got to understand, they're the first to do it. Everybody copied that man, the Matrix, finally, all of them. They all and I finally it. realized I, I, as soon as they as soon as they crash landed. I realized, oh, oh, they just they just all went into a haunted house. This isn't a yep. sci-fi movie at all. <laughs> no, and, it is sci-fi horror. Yeah, and yeah. it's yeah. it's uh, as soon as you let go of that completely, it's such a better movie for you oh, because yeah. sci-fi requires a completely different part of your brain as a viewer, mm-hmm. and it's just not it's not a sci-fi movie. Let, let that go completely. Yeah. It's a horror yeah. movie. They're in a haunted house. There is only there there is one you know Freddy or Jason or whatever whatever and it's like oh wow better yeah it's basically that you're right but i but i do think it's important to not i don't want to minimize the idea of the mashing together of the two genres because that to me is a really important point in filmmaking like space horror as a subgenre is one of my favorite things ever and i love it i love like weird takes on it i like good takes on it i like any kind of take on it i love it space horror Mm -hmm. is amazing Mm -hmm. you could argue games like dead space uh, one two and three would have never happened without a game like or a movie like Alien, um, the mashing up of those those genres is a is such a cool combo. It's peanut butter and chocolate, man. It's a it's mm-hmm. a rad combo that takes you. It feels new and fresh, even though it really is. You're right, a haunted house, but it takes you somewhere else to do it. It takes you to a place you it, don't recognize. And having um, Giger and some other really interesting set designers and art direction adds to that mystery and makes stuff truly alien like the stuff in that movie is just like what the frick is this guy this the space jockey sitting there why is everything so wet exactly (laughs) right it's too humid that's all explained (laughs) all that stuff is explained later on i mean the the ship they're on is actually a uh it's, it's, it's like a i think it's some kind of powered by water in some form or factor is so i mean there's there's a lot of stuff afterwards that i've read that didn't wasn't really conveyed during the movie uh, that I discovered. You know, it's like, oh, well, why is there so much water, and why is one of the you know engineers drinking water dripping off mm-hmm. pipes and stuff? I'm like, oh, that's probably definitely not safe. You don't want to you know be yeah. drinking condensation. That's not rain. After dude. we established that acid goes right through the bulkhead, <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. So I'm like, oh, that's a bad so idea. So hold on, you're seeing this alien stuff, for Andy, for the very first time. All of these concepts are so burned into my head, like the blood acid, like the whatever, like all of these things. The, and the life gonna, cycle of an alien, what yeah. It, you know, right. How it that know. must be just. I don't even know what to say about that. That's the life so, cycle we get to experience it through brand exactly. new eyes. That's why I'm excited. The life yeah. cycle of an alien is the most important thing that you check your brain at the door on. Like if if you if you stop and consider how biology works in the universe that we live in, uh, this alien is supernatural, and you can't do that to yourself. Like mm. it grows so incredibly fast. What the hell is it eating in that ship <laughs> to put on right. that much weight that fast? No, 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 no. Check your brain at the door, man. Well, it's this also is he's alien, right? Is it, he's an alien that we don't understand, and we don't know what he, he's not even eating people, by the way. So the the director's cut. 
explains this a little bit more because in the director's cut, there's a scene where Tom Skerritt is all mushed up into a wall. Uh, yeah, you, kind of a you high get thing. to actually see both Harry Dean Stanton and yeah. Tom Skerritt in this kind of nest area that the xenomorph has been keeping them. Right. And the Tom Skerritt is alive still, barely. Uh, right. Dean, Henry Dean Stanton is dead, but she has a conversation with him and it, it's fine that they cut it. It kind of does feel out of place to me. I don't, I don't love that scene, but it does. I, like really, I, yeah, I watched the director's cut. Oh, I you did. Was, okay. Was yeah. That good. wasn't in the theatrical and I'd never seen it till just a few years ago, that scene. And so it, I don't know. It always just felt, I think it was just a, an issue of like, well, this I wasn't also, here before. So I, I don't also watched it. a YouTube video of the, of the things that didn't make the director's cut. Mm. And mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad that, that, that it was cut the way it was cut because, um, and I want to, I want to, we'll name the editor later. Uh, there's a, there's an editor in our Star Trek connections. Sure. Uh, that alien looks really, really funny. If, <laughs> if you show it too much. Oh yeah. You can't show it too yeah, much. Guy, I kind of see yeah, guy and so there's, yeah. there's yeah. all kinds of shots of the alien. Like the, like there was apparently a shot of the alien approaching uh, Harry Dean Stanton before killing him mm-hmm. and right. they cut it all. Like, right. So valuable. That's, that's good. That's that. good. Yeah. Less is yeah. more in this case and, and, and showing just flashes of it and, and bits of it and, 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 you know, angles that oh are gosh. super close and intense like that, that established the, the rules and they're so good because otherwise it's a dude in a rubber suit. It's, it, you know, mm-hmm. they didn't have the cool CG or whatever. And the second movie aliens, which you also have not seen, um, you can take it from the S that there's a bunch of them. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, I, I was think, thinking about this because I, I would have, claimed to have seen these movies and i'm sure that i kind of did i i but i must have been like i must have been a little kid yeah and, you've and, probably seen scenes right i mean and, like and on like tv the mm-hmm. tv version was on yeah. of, of the of the second aliens movie yeah. and i was busy looking at my you know my legos or whatever and maybe i was like glancing at it because i don't rem- I, can't, I can't tell you what the second movie is about i mean i, I can guess what it's about but i can't tell you anything about it well it's, right it's it, it very deftly takes what was left with one and then moves to a new place with it and does so really well like really you know it's yeah. not but it's, it, it it's still a little scary but it moves away from horror and in deeply into like really intense sort of thriller action territory but does so so well that it just, it just, everything about that movie feels right to me. It doesn't, it's, I've never, I don't mm-hmm. question aliens at all. I can't wait for us to watch aliens because I, <laughs> I dip my toe just a couple of minutes into aliens after I watched this and I was like, oh, wow. I don't think this held up as much as I really, thought I don't know, oh, dude. Really? I didn't see it more. I saw it like six oh, months ago no. and I think it holds the hell up. You're oh, wait, wait till you watch it critically and start looking and going, Ooh. oh my God, those matte paintings are terrible. Oh, well, like, okay, here's, it's, it's oh, like really? that kind of stuff. It's yeah. not like, oh, is it still action packed? Yes. Is it, is it fun? Yes. Is it ridiculous? Especially watching it critically, you kind of start going. Mm. Yeah, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We're, we have a whole episode for that. I just want to yeah. say there's, there's a reason why the second films are often the ones that are the highest regarded by audiences. Yeah. And we've talked about this before. It's because the second film gets to benefit from all of the work you did in the first yeah. to let the audience know who the characters are. Sure. And, you know, Godfather two empire strikes back, et cetera, et cetera. You get to fast forward to the action. Yeah. But and, in this case, it's just Ripley for uh, no spoilers. Yeah, that's the thing. I was with this whole movie going, Oh my gosh, are we really going to only go to a second movie with a woman and a cat? Yeah. And it's not, you do. And the woman is not 
I mean, Ripley, wait to the end of the second one. Ripley, <laughs> <laughs> the beginning of the third. Yeah. yeah. Right. Here's the thing. Ripley definitely gets established. The last, the last act of this film is about establishing her as an action hero. Yeah. Without yeah. a doubt. She's great. Uh, but, but this movie doesn't tell us anything about her. She's just a warrant officer on a ship. Why I can't, Square how this ship is semi-military, but it's actually a up to yeah, towing. Mining, well, yeah, yeah mining. Yeah. Right. So but, not, not but civilian like, is exactly. So you get into that later because the corporation gets revealed, and you kind of find out what that whole thing is. So it, it all it all uh, starts some starts to make sense. But it's a little. He. I mean, uh, by the way, this is an interesting piece of trivia, but it feeds into what you're talking about. Ridley Scott said in an interview not too long ago, "This and Blade Runner are set in the same universe." So right. knowing that. Even if he's just loosely saying that, conceptually, the idea of corporations, mega corporations are basically running the world. Governments are useless. It's all about huge companies. And those huge companies do everything from, you know, consumer things all the way up to big time military, everything, multi-planet, whatever stuff. And so that's kind of what you're looking at. So these, the idea that they're sort of pseudo-military, pseudo-civilian uh, everybody gets a contracted pay sort of thing. It all fits into that kind of drone Blade Runner is, future thing. Is space uh-huh. truckers also in this universe? <laughs> well, <laughs> sure. Well, Predator, Predator is like we, yeah, we yeah, yeah, that, right. Yeah, we and, that. and that's that also crossed my mind over and over watching this movie. Like, oh, wow, there's there's, you know, meanwhile, back on Earth, there's a, a, a band of of muscle heads in the jungle. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, like previous. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and that's if you have you guys dug into how that works. And I mean, the it, the mother, you... the mother AI ship is actually uh, influenced by some predator technology that happened during the <laughs> what? Uh, no, I did not. Really? Yeah, there's all kinds of crossovers <laughs> that, that yeah, come into play. Yeah. Certainly it's wasn't deep. expired by current uh, uh, assistant technology like uh, Siri or Alexa or anything. No, no. <laughs> no, she's much better. So the, so the subplot of this film, right? Because this film is, is two, it has two plots. The main plot right. is an alien. Survival. And the, and the subplot is that there's uh, actually an android on on board and uh that's you know that's like an amazing big surprise the first time you see it oh yeah right um yeah. i i really i felt like that held up great same I except was, they called it a robot right yeah they, yeah they didn't define android until the well, aliens yeah but those Bretton guys parker, Bretton parker called it a robot right i was uh right and maybe this is because they were the engineers, low class. That, that's what that's I was going to say. Yeah, those yeah. are like those are like hard working hat, hard hat men who just are calling stuff robots. But in the Here's second the movie, robots. the second movie, robots are going to take our jobs. There's all sort of talk in the second movie about synthetics. That's the term they start using. Yeah, right. And, yeah. and and that works better as a kind of a cool sci-fi term. But but yeah, that whole thing is so, especially the first time seeing it. But I think it holds up. It's such a shocking turn of events. You don't really see it coming. You just think that Ian Holm is kind of a dick. Um, he's up to something. You don't know what. But then that could have been so dumb. Like rip his head off, find out he's an, a robot, and then go, oh, well, I guess he's a, he's a robot. Like it could have been dumb. Instead, it was like, all right, yeah. set his head up. It's super gross. All this gooey crap everywhere. His voice is all gargling now. He's talking yeah. to us with his head backwards from his body. There's like 
you know, weird on the floor thing where the actor is poking his head through a hole in the floor and you have like, like like, that can go really bad. It can go so bad and it doesn't. And I, and I've, and I, in this watching, I came away with this belief. This movie hinges so hard on cinematography and their willingness, their desire, whether it's Ridley Scott or whoever to take their time and let scenes breathe and don't overwhelm it with music don't have lots of quiet moments even if there's a lot of noise happening in the ship alarms and steam and all that shit <laughs> but let there be times where the music isn't in your face all the time and just let the scene live breathe. and breathe on its own without any of that stimulus there's something about that that's really powerful in this movie and it works yeah, with the robot Scott's scene. good about that he's yeah. always mm-hmm. I, that's mm-hmm. what i love about it yeah it's great yeah. i mean uh uh, what's his name? Goldsmith, Jerry Goldsmith, who did the Jerry soundtrack Goldsmith. here. Yeah. He was pissed because he did way more music and Ridley right. Scott in the end took a ton of it out and said, look, we think there's too much in here. It's too, it's too padded. So we're going to have a bunch of silent stuff and, and other, you know, he was mad. He's like, well, wait, I wrote all that stuff. He didn't use it, but it was but absolutely, it, the, it was the right choice. Totally the right mm-hmm. choice. Mm-hmm. Totally. And what music was there was fine, but have these scenes of like, think about any other movie when she's, in her underwear and all shit goes bad in the shuttle. Any other movie would be blaring intense music in your face Mm -hmm. or some kind of underpinned, like scary, whatever this movie has enough faith in its visual and its pacing and its tone to just let that world go. You can hear the alien breathing. You can hear the the strange sounds yes, of the, the ship, the pipes and the uh, yeah. the alarms going off, yeah. and her breathing, so like her breathing in that suit, is so intense. Mm-hmm. She's so scared, and you really feel it. Like it is something, man. That movie is freaking powerful, and I couldn't tell you another 1979 movie that does that to me. Like they don't, they yeah. don't exist in the 70s where I where I actually get so viscerally involved in the feeling of it. Aliens, like the only one. Well, we we mm-hmm. sacked Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and I, I thought about that movie quite a bit while watching this one, um, because uh, you know, like it's kind of amazing that they're, you know, they're from the same time frame, like that right, people right. were making movies on this level at yeah. that time. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. There was because there's such a lot, a bunch of like, oh, there's just, a bunch of crap, just garbage. Back then. <laughs> you know, like yeah, you know, but you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. at the same time that this movie is being made, uh, you know, uh, George Miller's making Mad Max does not look yeah. like this that, at all like uh, yeah, you, not even you, close like, there's a everybody's got their own look mm-hmm. right when they're when they're making these movies and you know spielberg's look was very different but you can kind of date it you can put a date on it and and this movie is kind of a miracle because you you can't except for tom scarrett's uh beard yeah yeah that thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> so look at your competition that year. Uh, according to IMDb, the top 10 films of that year were in this order. Apocalypse Now, number one. That and that deserves it. That's another one that looks insane today. Mm-hmm. It looks so good today. Uh, Alien, Escape from Alcatraz. Uh, and then and then we start getting to some weird stuff. All That Jazz, I don't think that holds up. Breaking Away, does not hold up. Uh, Hair, Kramer versus Kramer. Life of Brian, I'll, we'll take that one. Uh, Norma Ray, Tess. Going in style, justice for all, Manhattan and the Black Stallion. Uh, Mad Max so, is below that, but and, yeah. And you're forgetting our um, our past attempts at 
Captain America. Don't forget about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Captain America. Oh, yeah. Semi-transparent. Popping out of a van. Plexiglass. Uh, yeah, did he have right, the motorcycle? Yeah, he had a motorcycle. Had a motorcycle right. Popped out of the back of a van. Come on. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. good. You didn't, name, you didn't name any of the movies we sacked from 79, like <laughs> Warriors. Uh, we sacked Rocky II. Yeah. Uh, there's um, Salem's Lot was from 1979. They're just not in their top 10, but Caligula, yeah. uh, Caliglia, yeah. rather. How do you say that? Caligula. Cal- Caligula. There you go. That came out that year. Um, with all the, the sequel to Dracula, Caligula, yeah. <laughs> Rocky two. Anyway, the point is, oh, the champ. Oh man, the champ was filmed. Oh, here. the champ, Ricky Schroeder. Yep, Ricky. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, he demands you call him Rick now. I don't know if you've heard. <laughs> Star Trek, a lot of things. Richard, yeah, Richard, he demands Richard, a lot of things. Yeah. Let's go to a Costco with him. Yeah, but imagine, yeah. imagine seeing you know the same year that Moonraker and freaking uh, Star Trek: The Motion Picture come out, an Alien comes out. What a stark contrast in your three movies about space. Yeah. Like, could have been. Uh, so obviously, we know Randy's answer to this. But did the two of you see Alien in the theater? Uh, no, no, I, was, I wasn't I was allowed. Too young. Yeah, I was. I yeah, was too young. young. Yeah, I was too young as well, but uh, we still went. And <laughs> but, we still, uh, but don't get me wrong, we still went. Oh, yeah, it was my mom, my uncle. Uh, me and my mom's friend Beverly, who sat next to me. So mom was on one side of me. Beverly was on the other. No, I take that back. Mom and Beverly were on one side, and then George was on uh, the other side of me. Yeah. And uh, uh, pretty much as soon as Brett gets killed, Beverly gets out of her seat and kind of squats down, back facing the screen. For the rest of the film. Oh my gosh. Like, like squats down this. on the ground. That's great. That's great. <laughs> I love hearing like that. The last 45 minutes of Alien, nice. my mom's friend is is uh, facing away from the oh, screen. See, I knew it. Look, she's in her panties yeah. now. Mm-hmm. I knew it. Yeah. No, I don't think that was it. I think they're probably just scared, right? Like they're Just about everything, but like fetal position rocking back on the floor, back and forth on the floor. Oh, but, poor uh, Beverly. Jeez, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you know, I get home. The first thing I'm doing is I'm drawing big, weird banana headed shaped yeah, aliens. Banana, yeah. Black banana shaped yep. aliens. <laughs> exactly. No, that's a, that's exactly. an awesome. See, I, so for, in my case, I think I was probably 14 before I finally got to see it. And then that was like VHS or something. And then, uh, when I guess alien or aliens came out in 87. So it wasn't too many years, three, two, three years after that, that I saw that. Yeah. So, so yeah, like. It was real, not not late, but you know, relatively late. Just given that my parents, there's no way that movie was happening for me at nine or eight or right. Yeah, I was uh, exactly. I was a, I was pretty young for it when it came out. But then I did. I watched Aliens, and then I was like, "Oh, that was pretty cool." I'm going back and watching Alien, and of course, I was just a young teenager, and Alien did not appeal to me at all. I was like, "No, this is slow, boring, dark. I don't know what's going on." It wasn't until years later that. I went back. I fully appreciated it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because I do remember this though, as an eight or nine year old, I remember hearing all the adults in my life Mm. talking about how freaked out they are about this movie called alien. They just all were talking about it. Oh, it's so scary. This and that. And, you know, and I remember that when I was, even when I was 14, the chestburster scene have freaking stuck with me, man. I couldn't get that out of my head. And I kind of associated it with like food and like, Mm-hmm. When you least Birth. expect it, like just, yeah, well, like, like what if you were eating just with some friends and laughing and all of a sudden you just lose it and fall, you know? <laughs> so then I would see, you'd hear stories or see other movies or somebody chokes in a restaurant or something like that. And I immediately yeah. would go back yeah. to John Hurt choking yeah. at that table. Yeah. It was a, it, <laughs> was it wasn't a big until, deal. And it, 
And it wasn't until this viewing that I heard them actually discussing uh, about the alien pilot saying that it looked like something had exploded from his chest. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, interesting and odd, too. We know that the aliens in later lore take on certain aspects of their host so they would be larger. But at the time, I was thinking, I was like, I kept trying to you know, reconcile it. I'm like, well, it wouldn't be very large on that big, giant alien pilot. I mean, it would just, you know, yeah. like a pimple size. But, you know, right, right. But I was like, know yeah, a little, go ahead. We know a little bit about this from the third movie and the fourth movie, but the lore explains it pretty well. The the uh, face hugger isn't just, you know, dropping an embryo in there. It's dropping right. embryo that fuses with the host's DNA to um, take on characteristics of the host. Right. Um, so, so Kane was a real dickhead. And that's the reason right, why, exactly. came that's out why as a the penis alien head. is a dickhead. Yes, yeah, exactly. right. There you go. Also, uh, uh, the dog, uh, well, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but in three, well, that'll blow it for Randy. I don't want to spoil things for Randy. Yeah, that's not. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it was interesting to me how this movie did not have a lot of these tropes to go on, but it found them. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. like the one guy going and examining the eggs alone. Oh, come on! Right. Like seriously, right. it's so tropey. Yeah. But I, but I was like. But I guess it's kind of invented here. Like I'm sure there were movies that did and, it before. Right. Yeah. It was but, in, it was invented for space. Uh, this is he was you know the, he's talked about being inspired by Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So that's definitely you know, yeah. His big three. He said happens. multiple times. Big three influences here were Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the horror part, Star Wars for the sort of. I mean, even their shuttle looked like a freaking Millennium Falcon. I thought. Um, but right. just kind of for the aesthetic of space and whatever. And then Space Odyssey 2001 were his big three. And you can feel it. Like the halls yeah. of that ship when it's all just turning on before they wake up. It's mm-hmm. very Kubrick. Like that stuff was was very. very yeah, like padding for one, some, whatever reason. You can't figure out why things are padded like they are. And just the grungy white and yeah. and a little checkerboard uh, logo on the door. and Yeah. And then, yeah. and in, and the, as a result, though, the it, it's its own. It ended up being its own cool thing. Like yeah. it's mm-hmm. it's those three things maybe, but it's done so deftly. I think that they he just created something so unique that it was bound to just be this this huge series. Like there was no getting around it. Mm-hmm. It was going to be mm-hmm. huge. My biggest problem with the series uh, is that there's you know the first two movies are all practical effects, of, of course, and they both do really well with what they've got. By three, it's the 90s, and we're starting to learn how to make CG business, and so they start to fiddle with that a little bit, and that doesn't exactly 100% work now. Mm-hmm. It looks right, pretty right. pretty skeezy. Oh, my gosh. Like, uh, your first uh, your first view of the crew, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, your everybody of the male persuasion is staring at uh, Cartwright's chest, and uh, there's a you know, thin strip of, of cloth the thinnest possible uh, fifth element strip of cloth covering Cartwright's chest. Yeah. And uh, there's, uh, I'm just like, whoa, this would have been really badly done in, in the future. Like, I'm glad this movie was made in 1979 or because uh, like, I don't want to see the late eighties take on this stasis (laughs) chamber and this, uh, this costuming, like the, the costuming is 
kind of funny because they're in underwear and yeah. it's no really no they're in diapers underwear. yeah <laughs> they diapers. are yeah these they're in big old giant depends yeah. which makes yeah. sense <laughs> but trust me that that could have been so much worse oh so much worse you're not you're absolutely yeah. right that's what i think i love about it it, it also it's a space trucker movie like yeah. at the end of the day uh, you know as much brian you brought up that dennis hopper thing a minute ago oh um, yeah yeah but to me space is at its sometimes not always sometimes most interesting when people are just regular people but they're yeah. in this inexplicable future so we didn't turn into a bunch of stuffy starfleet people instead the concept is yeah they're still union workers down in the basement and they're mm-hmm. kind of pissed they're that's not what i love about and, that's what i love about space truckers i mean and they really approached it in really the only way you could because it's a ridiculous idea and they you know space truckers absolutely just you know, wholesale took everything from aliens and said, well, what was that day like? So they wrote like their own intro and then like expanded on it. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it's glorious. It's glorious. It's glorious. Yeah. It's, it's stupid, but it's also glorious. Yeah. I don't, I can't, I can't, I, I what, for whatever, <laughs> I can't deny how great I think that is. I just love that that mix and so right. whenever you make a movie that's like that i get super stoked this and there is, and this is our this is our fourth uh dan o'bannon film oh, yeah. um and and we kind of watch them in the wrong order and now that i now that i can see but <laughs> that's, we, a, that's what we do yeah we <laughs> also what we do here no it's our we fifth also, it's our fifth uh we got uh alien alien oh no no he's counted his screenplay yeah. and story twice never mind you're right yeah it's it's our fourth we watched blue thunder life force total recall right. before this right and you can just see so much of total the like the 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 early ideas in total recall yeah you know you can see them in this movie there's uh, the it's clearly the same guy i mean life force is bad yeah. but it's you can tell oh yeah that's uh that's all from the same seeds you know what would surprise you guys is how i thought we'd seen some of these actors more often the number one recurring actor on film sack for us is john hurt seven total films uh, next closest is Ian Holm. Everyone else is like two, three. There's one, four. You're talking about like top actor, or which talking? No, about? on film sack, like number of movies we've seen. For, for specifically for this movie, the actor we've seen the most. Okay. Other, yeah, other I got you. Hold so on, John, yeah. So John Hurt is Alien, Contact. Uh, or that's two movies, <laughs> Alien and Contact. <laughs> uh, Hellboy yeah, Two, yeah. Indiana Jones, King of the Crystal Skull, Snowpiercer, Spaceballs, and V for Vendetta. I got it. I got an early surprise for you if you look in the Discord channel. I don't know if you saw it, but oh, yeah, our just, quick sack. You yes, see that? That's, that's you see what I just looking yeah, at. You right see now. what I just put in before your link, <laughs> 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 or before your Captain Americas? I put it in there already this morning. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, Bombats. Yeah, Bombats has that. a new version of the of the yes. quick sack stuff, and my is gosh, that live? It's so great. It's I don't know if it's live yeah. for everyone, but it is for us, and it's it has to be badass. It's so mm-hmm. good. Oh my god! And John Hurt. Uh, was also in Spaceballs. Oh my gosh, John Hurt was also in Spaceballs, and it was all it was all clicking for me <laughs> yeah. while watching Alien uh, yesterday. Like John Hurt. Yep, I am seeing this is bizarre that 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 he is just yeah. lifted out of Alien. <laughs> What's well, the parody scene of the yeah. the chestburster? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I miss hello, the... my baby. Hello, my darling. <laughs> I, I miss uh, I, I miss his role. I thought his role in Snowpiercer is understated and underappreciated. Mm. I really liked oh. it, and I realized that like toward the end of his career it was almost all really hairy old man kind of yeah. disheveled roles but i still i don't know still that one really stuck with me 
Um, by the way, Sigourney Weaver only three, and we could probably use more of her in our lives. God, she looks great for three. <laughs> she looks nah. real good for three. No, she's what like twenty in this. She's super young in this. Super young. Yeah, I think twenty. I can't remember now. I'm looking at her age thing, but I think she was twenty years old or so when they filmed this. And there's some funny trivia about her. And then later in the show, I've got a clip that may confirm this. But so according to this, um, he had given her, let's see if I can find it. Oh, here it is. According to Yafit Koto, uh, recently deceased as well, Ridley Scott told him, he played Parker, told him to annoy Sigourney Weaver off camera so that there would be additional tension between the characters. Koto regrets this because he said he really liked Weaver. Now, normally I'd throw some scrutiny at that. But there's a scene in this where I think she's legit pissed at him. Yeah. The, like, during this, yeah. the shares discussion? Yes. Well, no, yeah. no, no, not shares. Uh, later on, they're trying to figure out how to... It's before they split up for the last time and those two would go to their death. But um, okay. I'll play it and you guys won't remember it. It's a really uh, effective scene, but also I think that anger from her is real. And I would yeah. not want to mess with Sigourney Weaver is what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, by the way i looked it up during the filming of her scenes uh sigourney weaver was 28 oh i thought she was uh i I looked at her birthday she seemed younger but uh she's 20 years older than me so i thought in 79 she should have been 20 Uh, weird anyway that would be 30 years i guess you're right yeah all right i guess you're right i know i don't know why i did the math wrong i thought i had the math I got the math wrong. I don't know what I was doing there. Scott does math. So check this out. This is awesome. For the chestburster sequence, John Hurt uh, stuck his head, shoulders, and arms through a hole in the mess table, uh, linking up with a mechanical torso that was packed with compressed air to create the forceful exit of the alien. Also, a really effective part of that is when the first blood thing happens, mm-hmm. and yeah. everyone just kind of like stops for a minute. Sprays. That's yeah. so good. Anyway, then a bunch yeah, of animal then, guts were used. They said, like, actual animal guts. And Sigourney Weaver is, had to leave because she said it smelled bad. Yeah, so. this is where there's some trivia that finally finally, I hear a version of that that sounds believable. Because you hear all this trivia about, oh, yeah, during the chestburster scene, the uh, actors didn't know what was going to happen so they could get genuine shock and surprise on their face. Which always, hearing that seemed like, okay, how did they not know that John Hurt was climbing through the table and putting his arms through a hole. Right, and right, right. They had to take, it probably took like an hour, a couple hours to set up the shot. They'd have to know. But knowing that, oh, they didn't know that they were going to get sprayed with animal guts and blood and stuff like that to get real genuine shock. That finally sounds believable. Right. And they right. have, and they only did one take, which helps support that story. Um, yeah. Yeah. If according to the trivia, again, I'm, you know, I have no confirmation for this, but anyway, this is the part I have scrutiny for. So let me just hit scrutiny here. Here is it. <laughs> scrutiny. Scrutiny. Uh, so apparently it was so bad them using these animal guts. Uh, and the cast was told that they would, you know, be really be using real blood and guts. This provoked genuine reactions of shock and disgust, but it worked so well that Yafet Koto went home to complete incomplete shock afterwards after doing the scene. Locked. This is the part I don't believe. Locked himself in a room and refused to talk to his wife for hours. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, I'm maybe. I'd want him to tell that story, but he's not here, so he can't. Yeah, yeah. Um, but okay, here's my other favorite part of the effects thing. This kind of leads into that. The dead face hugger that Ash autopsies was made using fresh shellfish. So you're not wrong on the clams. Uh, four oysters and a sheep kidney. 
That was all used to make the internal mm-hmm. organs. Uh, they had to do it quickly because the organic material would go bad very fast under those studio lights, so they couldn't let it sit around for very long. Ugh. And then God, the stuff. Can you imagine the smell of that? The stuff they used for um, Ian Holm when his head's off was not milk. It was colored water. Oh. And which the, makes sense because under the hot lights and many yeah. takes and things like that, yeah. it would start to smell really funky if it, if they used actual milk. And they said the rest, some of the rest of it was shredded condoms <laughs> and uh, onion rings, not not with not breaded, but just like cut fresh onion rings. Mm. Oh my huh. god! To create this well, the right, so, freaking yeah. set. The, uh, the milk would be the least of the words yeah. as far as the stench. Oh, uh, imagine if they'd added milk, though. Oh, my Lord. Right, yeah. exactly. What a wow, nightmare. It smells like shredded condoms and onion slices in here. Yeah, but it looks so good. It held up and it looked... Does, it does look good. And even yeah, They robot. needed to do some different thing with the, the, you know, them messing around with the fake ash head, getting it situated, <laughs> and then the quick cut to the scene of the real ash head because they, they didn't do a person passing in front of it or yeah, a cut really over it to look at one of the right one of the crew looking yeah. at it or something yeah because um, it was yeah. just too stark a comparison and, and i'll bet ian, i'll bet ian home got really really tired of sticking his head up through the ash hole <laughs> ah! <laughs> nicely done. yeah very nicely done he's great uh, though can we just say real quick that dude's that's so awesome. He's a great actor. Yeah. He was great in this as he, as he is in everything. And Fifth Element is my, I think, my favorite. I miss uh, Ian him Holm. terribly. Yeah, he's just amazing. Yeah. Fifth Element, yeah. by the way, would have been, um, let's see, 97. So that would have been, wow, that's a long time between those two roles. But he hadn't, he, he didn't miss a clip. That guy's just great. Freaking love mm-hmm. that dude. He's in five film sack movies Alien, Existence, which I totally forgot he was in that. Mm. Day After Tomorrow, Fifth Element, and Time Bandits. So there you go. Rest in rest oh. in peace. He died last year and uh, got a blip of a, a honorarium at the Oscars. Man, Ian Holm in, and his face and name was on the screen for a third of a second. Wow! Uh, the Oscars this year was just. Uh, I'm so pissed off. Still, it, it at how was bad a disappointment. That, yeah, terrible. But like Ian Holm uh, died last year and should have gotten a lot more uh, accolades and, and remembrance. He should get a, a sure. uh, some sort of lifetime achievement posthumous award or something. He's just mm-hmm. great. There's no, you can't name a thing where he didn't give everything to the role. Yeah. Um, there is some, okay, so here's the bit. Ibit and I were talking about this before. We may as well bring it up now. There is some debate about this. Uh, some saying that Ian Holm broke the pattern of actors dying in the exact same order as their characters in this movie. So he died July, or excuse me, June nineteenth, twenty twenty, after John Hurt and Harry Dean Stanton. But he was survived by Tom Skerritt, who supposedly died before him in the film. But because in the director's cut, Dallas is still alive in the nest, that doesn't <laughs> it wouldn't count. So so there's some confusion about that. But if you go purely from the theatrical release, they're dying in the order they died in the movie. Right, right. Really? John Hurt, then Harry Dean Stanton. Yep. Then. Uh, uh, and Yafikoto. uh oh yeah, wait so what's her name never died. Died. one of the yeah yafakoto is one of the last people to die which he will screw up because the next person that dies definitely falls out of order oh, oh, well right. unless it's sigourney weaver well, well Yafikoto yeah. died about uh two months ago exactly. and, uh, yeah uh so like I oh does that f it up because yeah it does because now if veronica cart well if sigourney weaver dies 
we're okay, but uh, <laughs> we're okay. <laughs> she's not, she's not. It's going to be a real well, bummer no, I mean, for her. Let me rephrase but, that. I'm not okay if Sigourney Weaver dies, but I'm saying then the then the this comparison, this timeline comparison, is okay. But if then Veronica Cartwright dies, I guess we don't know Cartwright. exactly what order. I said I say Costanza. I'm sorry. Did I say Cartwright? Did I say Costanza? <laughs> uh, she. We don't know what order she and. Uh, oh no, we do. She dies first, and then yeah, Yafet Kono. Yeah. Oh well, then yes. it's already screwed up then. Well, no, because well, yeah. uh, Veronica Cartwright hasn't died. So as long as Veronica Cartwright stays alive, the timeline is the comparison is. Well, wait, intact. I thought she. I thought you just said she died first. No, she died in first. The movie. But in the movie, what I'm saying is, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, she would have had to have died first to keep the timeline in real intact. life. Yeah, yes. she didn't. Yes. So and yes. usually, usually when you talk about movies where a lot of the actors have subsequently died, you, you're talking about they died young ish. And this is not the case here. We're just, no. this was a, this is an old movie and you know, so like Ian Holm lived to 88, Yafa Koto lived to 81. There's not a, there's not like a, a mysterious aspect to these connections. No, <laughs> you know, like, right. Right. No. But so many of them died within the last couple of years, like yeah. in the last five years, we've lost uh, a lot of these actors who were all different ages. It's not like they were all, you know, all born in that order and were thus, <laughs> reaching their they were all in their, their 80s, expiration date around the same time <laughs> yeah they're all in their 80s i mean that's when people die typically um yeah. I mean, tom scarrett's 87 what yeah <laughs> tom, <laughs> tom scarrett's 87 is he still working he did something in 2017 uh yeah, so yeah I don't, I don't know what that means 2016 yeah. i don't know but his he has the i love his imdb photo he looks like mm, yes i'm having a good time i'm tom scarrett <laughs> he's awesome do you guys ever see a river runs through it he's awesome in that he's so good in that yes yeah he's another actor that yeah. deserves more mm-hmm. more credit than he probably gets oh he's For in sure. something called east of the mountains in uh this year 2021 yeah. yeah so i'd watch whatever that is his 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 Wikipedia page is, is behind the times. Yeah. I mean, as uh, Viper and Top Gun, he was, you know, just a little bit sweet. Oh, there's more to the head, Ash's head. It also contains spaghetti, cheap caviar, and onion rings. Ew. I cheap, believe the spaghetti. Cheap caviar. Uh, oh, the smell is just getting better and better. Uh, this yeah. is almost almost in the running for what grossed uh, Scout the most, is uh, <laughs> oh, finding God, out what? what was in here. Um, I, but don't I, have do, a, I don't have a thing. Do you guys, I, I couldn't you will something. You will. Are you okay. ready? Yeah, go. All right. So when uh, when Ash uh, tries to choke uh, Sigourney Weaver with the magazine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. What's yes. what's cut up and on the on the wall of of whoever's oh, yeah, porn. whoever's room? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of porn. Oh, I didn't make the connection. Yeah. <laughs> so what kind of magazine is yeah. Ash choking? <laughs> Nice. Now you think about that. That is a good it's, it's call. The March there. 2021 issue of Jugs is, yeah. is what Ash is. That was easily the worst thing in the whole movie for me. It mm, yes. really, really took me out of the movie. I, I was just like, I actually, I sat back while he's choking her with that or, or whatever he's doing with that magazine. Right. I was just like, mm-hmm. are we watching the same movie? This is so mm-hmm. dumb. This is like... A well, super strong robot is what is he? I don't even like. Did anyone think for a moment about what they were going to put on the screen here? Yeah. What, what is that like? A 
Is that a technique for killing somebody that I didn't know about? Is using a rolled up newspaper, or rolled up magazine? I, I don't know, but it, it was it's quite scary. It's it's pretty. It, I mean, if you're running from an alien, you got to up the the horror. Yeah, a but lot, right? She's un, she's mostly unconscious. He can just go up and put his hands on her neck and be done. Or or he could take Harry Dean Stanton's porno magazine <laughs> and just really right. show her how much he hates her. Right now, you've convinced so, me. Now, so a, yeah. It's it's a list it's a <laughs> listing on TV tropes by the way if you want to oh. rolled up magazine yeah yeah actually, actually. really really um, on TV tropes this is a trope called the phallic weapon oh there you go <laughs> oh, okay yeah makes um, sense and the phallic weapon is something that uh, you know filmmakers just inexplicably bring out of nowhere to shove into a woman's mouth give that, me another uh, example Do they have another movie or a TV show on there that. So I can just get my head around how often this is well, used. Some, sometimes it's literal, like in Fight Club, when you have the gun in the narrator's mouth. Oh, yeah. You know, okay. like that's just like, yeah, that's like very much like oral sex. Yeah. Um, there's. Uh, I don't know what kind of oral sex you're having, buddy. Uh, I think we need to talk about a Saturday night at Randy's house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's there's some interesting uh, listings in this. I, I I don't have time to like process them all, but. <laughs> Uh, it's it lists like uh, Spaceballs, uh, Psycho, Scream. Yeah, I imagine Death I imagine swords and knives are probably yeah, used that's, more, that's than true. We, more than we yeah. realized. Yeah, yeah. probably um, that. Uh, remember that scene with that. Uh, the Cosby Kid? And uh, yeah, that was great. Yeah, shotgun in <laughs> the hoo-ha. And Angel Heart. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's the only thing you remember from that movie. That really is. I can't help it. And I've seen it again with you guys. And that's still all. Yeah, I we watched for film sack. Yeah, I don't remember anything but that. <laughs> Anyway, um, it just it makes yeah. absolutely no sense in this movie where if the robot's strong enough to kill you with his bare hands, that's what he would do. He's mm-hmm. a robot. Right. He wouldn't improvise some bizarre weapon for no, you know, no obvious like roll up a right. magazine yeah, like he he's going to have... scold her for peeing on the carpet. Yeah. Right. I I think that was I, I was trying to figure it out because he is supposed to be a synthetic, but in in this universe, the, the some of these synthetics seem to have a real uh, you know, kill their maker, anger, just overkill, just like this overkill attitude. Well, he's the only uh, one because remember in future installments, uh, they're, Bishop they're, was yeah, never, they're reprogrammed. Yeah, yeah Bishop was never like that. He he could he. Yeah. he I mean, she always he worried that he would be. That's, that's some that's close to spoiling things, but 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 yeah, like from from Bishop forward, there was supposedly a difference. But then if you go back to the the prequel stuff. Uh, I can't think of his name. Magneto. Um, that uh, Ian McKellen. Uh, no, not that actor. He was. Oh, not that. Oh, well, Fassbender. Sorry, Fassbender. Yeah. Fassbender. I would yeah. love to have the, Ian McKellen is a. Yeah, Ian McKellen is a is a robot. In, in, I think uh, I was thinking yeah. Ian Holm and like, oh, Magneto, <laughs> Ian McKellen. Sure, yeah. <laughs> that old, that old scene in uh, the original uh, Alien prequel. <laughs> Um, that very young Ian McKellen, but yeah, yes. like like the 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 what am I trying to say? That the, they went back and and kind of showed yeah, some of those with nasty, a directive, the the, right. the yeah the directive Android stuff, directive. right? Yeah. The, the part no that the part that would piss me off if I was the manufacturer is that all you had to do with Ian Holm is mess him up a little bit, and then he went completely berserk, man. Ooh, boy, lost yeah, it. just swirling around and all that all that spaghetti spring, misfiring. Spring it was water and bad. bad caviar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mom, mom's white spaghetti coming out of his nose. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. did really appreciate that he had a special anger for Ripley because yeah. like uh, the, the initial yeah. conflict is between the two of them on letting people back onto the ship. 
by the way, the reason the captain never leaves the ship is because then the second in command can take over the ship and refuse to let the captain back on board. Yeah. Right. Something that we learned in so many Star Trek episodes. Yeah. <laughs> right, it also right, ha- right. just happened in Sunshine that we haven't, that we just watched not too yeah. long ago. Same, yeah. same idea. They put the captain out there and then, uh oh, no captain. What are you going to do? Like that. Yeah. See, again, though, Sunshine owes so much. Every, every time they sat in the galley and talked about anything on Sunshine, I went, oh, it was a freaking alien. Oh, they just took yeah, it. Of course, they just stole this mm-hmm. idea. Well done, you did it again, and I'm fine with it. I'm here for it. <laughs> um, I wrote Helmet Head Dallas, but we've already talked about that. We don't have to talk yep. about that again. Yeah, but um, we're going to. But no, we don't need to. So if Prometheus, Predator, Alien, all this Blade stuff, Runner, Blade Runner, all share a universe. Do you think there's a future where all of those things come together in one film? Do you know there, what I mean? That would have wow. happened by now. Like we're we're kind of past the the point like the peak of such things at this point i think it feels like it right i don't know if it ever could happen it just seems impossible to me like the idea of well, all they were of that- supposed to i mean they were supposed to bring in predators in this third part of the sequel right that was the oh we're really? going to try to wrap it up i i assume like it was the rumors third about of it. The, the the newer ones of the new right? trilogy yeah, Prometheus. Prometheus. yeah. he's still making that prequels. so maybe he is i don't know third yeah one, third one there, there was always there was always like little nods and easter eggs in it uh, in in those films for uh, you know the Predator crossover, so I wasn't sure if they were going to actually do something with it or not. Yeah. That's all this rumors. Would yeah. Deckard still be alive? <laughs> That's a good question. Still living in Vegas? We'll find out. Yeah. Still in Vegas right. somewhere, irradiated Vegas under a giant naked statue somewhere. Twentieth <laughs> uh, century. About, oh, go ahead. I think a lot about crossovers because like they they are so attractive to me as a as a viewer as an sure. audience. Mm-hmm. Like cross just crossovers, man. Like, um, but at the same time, I feel like you have to have a bunch of equal parts to cross over. Yeah. You can't cross over something I love with something I never saw. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I, that finally really proved itself for me last year when Netflix tried to cross over all four of their family sitcoms. Yeah. And did you did any of you see this? No, yeah. I saw so, I saw so something. One day about at a time, it. Fuller House. Well, they didn't they didn't have one day at a time when they started working on this. Yeah, oh. but uh, they they tried to cross over the Big Show show, Mr. Iglesias, the expanding universe of Ashley Garcia, and Family Reunion. Ugh. And I had never. I seen don't know if any of those those do all those things really exist. <laughs> yeah, those are four shows on Netflix, <laughs> and I had not ever seen Family Reunion. I hadn't even heard of it. Yeah. I, of course, I watched the Big Show show because I'm a child of pro wrestling, uh, Mr. Iglesias, because Gabriel Iglesias is one of the funniest people ever, and the expanding universe of Ashley Garcia because uh, I went to college and was friends with one of the pro- producers. So I watched those three shows, and it was like, oh, they're going to do a crossover. And then the crossover was mostly the show I had never watched. And yeah. I was just like, I hate this. I hate every minute of this. I don't understand why they're doing this. And, and it just made me realize, oh, that's kind of true of everything. Anytime you try to mix something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Uh, you, uh, you do you guys have a trouble. favorite crossover of all time? Oh, geez. It's TV. Does it count <laughs> if I say TV? Totally counts as TV because mine is TV. Okay. So mine is. Um, TV is the best place for crossovers. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It can be. Uh, I think mine's the. They had a they had a Law and Order, um, Homicide Life on the Street crossover, oh, yeah. and I loved it because it was not only well done and actually just seemed like two departments in different cities working on a case together, and didn't feel contrived. It just felt like a good you know that's it felt natural, but also 
uh, Richard Belzer ended up moving mm-hmm. from Baltimore to wherever yeah. SVU set, I forget, and became a permanent fixture there. And as the same character, and these were from two different networks. I thought right, that was cross networks. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. I mean, there's lots of comic book ones and things, but but sure. for TV, I'd say and, that. You know, Brian, what's yours? Uh, mine is uh, uh, so there's an episode of Community. I did a recent oh, rewatch yes, of the entire series of Community, Me too. and there's an episode that's kind of modeled after my dinner with Andre. There's a surprise party for Abed. Joel or uh, uh, Kip goes to or whatever jeff goes jeff to winger. uh jeff winger i almost said kip winger <laughs> jeff goes to uh meet him to take him to his surprise party but they end up having dinner in this fancy restaurant and abed tells him about this experience he had finally getting to be on his favorite show of all time cougar town where oh. he's an extra in the background he's standing right by or sitting right by courtney cox and busy phillips and all of a sudden he poops his pants and just leaves the set, leaves, you know, and is shamed from his very favorite television show of all time. Okay. Three or four months later on Cougar Town, uh, Courtney Cox and Busy Phillips are having a conversation at a restaurant on uh, a patio outside. And you see Danny Pudi in the background, who's in the background, but listening intently to their conversation as an extra, which you're not supposed to do. <laughs> and then has a look on his face and then abruptly gets up and leaves, which is never explained in Cougar Town, never paid off in Cougar Town. So if you, if you watched one and not the other, it wouldn't make any sense. Oh, I love that. So that's and a if, good if, one. Uh, if you never saw my dinner with Andre, the whole episode is kind of esoteric. Like, yeah, uh, which you, I never had still you, never have. It starts out and you think, Oh, it's going to be the pulp fiction episode. And right. it's not at all. It's this is an episode called critical film studies. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Oh, pulp fiction. And yeah. it does have almost the entire cast. Everybody, but as, Danny Pudi dressed yeah, up as a as character. Pulp fiction pulp characters. Fiction. So that's yeah. really, really good. Mm-hmm. But it's actually, it's actually a whole episode that just, just mocks uh, Cougar town. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it really hey, does. Cougar town. Yeah. I like that. I also like that the raising hope showrunners, well, the same thing happened on Cougar Town with the with the Scrubs thing, but the Raising Hope would always have like the "My name is Earl." People come on and do yes, something. And right? Those were right. they weren't characters though; they were the actors playing somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I don't know. I appreciate a good nod that isn't so in your face that that you have to have Batman and Super, or Batman and Wolverine working together. Right, but but, but something a little more you subtle. Won't like you won't like my pick. Yeah, what's Brian? What's Brian Benoit's? <laughs> yeah, what's your pick? I'm gonna go with uh, when when uh, uh, Bob from Bob's Burgers was on Archer. Oh right, <laughs> that right. was a good one, dude. I yeah. agree. Was, Archer was disguised as Bob. Right, from right, Bob's, right, right, Bob's right, Burgers. Yeah. Yes, right. And that's, yeah. that's a flat out crossover because that not you find out they live not only in the same universe but in the same city. They're <laughs> right. like like basically upstairs from Bob's Burgers. Yeah. You know, that's awesome. That's all minor cartoon related. One. My second yeah. favorite has got to be uh, X Files on uh, The Simpsons. Oh, that X- was great! Yeah, when Mulder and Scully bunch of, bunch did of that. Simpsons, right? The Simpsons yeah. crossed over with like Family everything. Guy and everything. But oh, yeah. uh, mine is without a doubt. So uh, last year they put all of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air on HBO. Yeah, uh, you can just go watch it, and I did. And there's an episode <laughs> where the Jeffersons. Are, mm. uh, are <laughs> really really oh that's crazy that's awesome. i had yeah. not heard of that that's awesome it's it's amazing too wow. because they like are they are flat out george and wheezy jefferson 
you know, they're just <laughs> who else would they be? Yeah. No, but I'm saying, I'm saying it's not like they just stand around. Right. Like, right. There's are, not like a couple an, of. It's right. an episode of the Jeffersons invading Crammed into. Brand, right. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know they did that. That's funny. I, I never knew. Uh, well, all right. Back to uh, this for a second. <laughs> this movie alien. Oh yeah. Um, they, do you think they back in the day, I don't know if they did this back then. Um, but I had to ask cause watching this, I went, Oh, this is one of those where they would have had a flashing lights epilepsy warning at the beginning of this movie. Cause there are scenes later when the ship's losing mm-hmm. its shit and lights yeah, are flashing yeah. like crazy. Um, especially kind of the strobe light effect when the, when the alien was coming out of the, out of the ductwork when she was on her shuttle. Um, I, you, oh my gosh, dude. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I kept, I kept thinking to myself, I hope none of the four of us have any kind of seizure problems. Cause Holy shit. Yeah. It was bad. It's literally strobes. Yeah. It's bad. I don't think you can do that anymore without yeah, yeah, yeah. a warning or something, right? It's not just video games, like movies and TV shows have to have to do this. They stuff. have to give you a warning at the very beginning. Yeah. There was a, there was a, not a bug, but there's a, there's a, so they put out that new mass effect trilogy, uh, remaster thing. And if you play it, uh, in on a 4K TV that supports HDR specifically. If it doesn't support HDR, you won't see this problem. But if it supports HDR, there's this, anytime you're talking to a hologram character in that game, it flashes so bad mm. uh, that you, I had to look away and bury my face in a pillow and just listen to the, doc, the, the dialogue. It was so bad. And it was the first time in my life where I thought, I'm going to, if I stare at this too long, I'm seriously going to have a seizure. I'm going to do it. Like I, wow. my brain felt like it was like telling me, said, dude, you, you have a threshold. Please do not. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to fix that or what, but holy shit. It was bad. Uh, uh, speaking of bad, my least favorite thing in this movie, thing that does not hold up was the Nostromo exploding at the end. What a dumb, bad. Oh yeah. Whew, that looked bad. Not good. Yeah, for me, it's it's mother and um, and how how you communicate with mother and how mother communicates with you. <laughs> right. Yeah. You mean you mean seventies slang is not uh, right. What's, the best way what's to talk the to deal, a mother? <laughs> <laughs> what's the deal, man? Uh, yeah. But also, I didn't like how she was always just sort of talking through Ian Holm, but. I mean, they were all, they all seem to be saying, well, what is mother saying? He was the one answering, which made me think they were linked. And I think that's the point, but, right. but then, then nobody questioned that. Like, why don't they just ask the ship? The captain could ask the ship. Right. You don't have to go through Ian Holm. Like, what's he going to tell you where to get the fifth element and pull it out of the lady's guts? Well, in the beginning, he, it was him talking to mother, but it was only later. Well, that's what I mean. Right? Like he, he always was, he's always seemed to be in communication with mother and I think was inextricably linked with her. Cause they both kind of had this right, mission right. of, you know, the, the, the directive to go get one of these and get a host and bring it back or whatever. And, uh, I just didn't like how nobody seemed to have a problem with that. Like you don't need to go through your science officer to talk to the computer. She's the computer. Everybody mm-hmm. talked to her. You know, you just go into that room with all of the lights on. The oh flashing, my gosh, dude! A little flashing light room. Oh, that room would suck. But that was so. <laughs> it was so Kubrick, right? Like that stuff. It totally you're just was. Like, oh yeah. man, you're just lifting ideas out of Stanley Kubrick's book now. But, <laughs> but I liked it. I liked that stuff. I I feel like the kind of crunchiness of their technology holds up. It looks like shit, but that's okay. He did the same thing with Blade Runner. That stuff just still works because it's not. It's not trying to be slick. It's just you know, clunky, big buttons and, and, and the screens are kind of shitty and, 
I, that works like, for me. Do you like big buttons, Scott? I like big buttons, and I cannot lie. Oh, hey, did you notice? <laughs> uh, the, the I thought the alien, when it flew out of the ship, uh, when she blasted out at the last second, I thought it was stop motion back in the day. Or is that two? No, I don't is that, think is that so. Is that aliens? No, no, you're thinking there no. was stop motion into, but it wasn't with the alien. It was with the, uh, the uh, forklift uh, mechs. Really? Oh, sure. Yeah, I don't remember that being okay. stop motion. Really? We'll find out soon. Yeah, we'll find out soon. But I have this memory that a stop-motion alien went flying out of the back of a ship, and I swore it was in one, and that didn't happen. Or they've changed it, or it never happened. I I don't know. I think that she didn't. We don't want to spoil part two. But I think there's been multiple ejections of aliens in this series. So it probably wouldn't be hard to confuse that. No. Yeah. What, Mm -hmm. What I saw was an alien crawling stupidly crawling into one of the <laughs> exhaust parts of the uh, of right. an engine and then getting just blown up yeah yeah, yeah that happened um <laughs> i'll tell you i i'll tell you what i would do if i were, were them there's a trend right now of making anime style either short series or ongoing series for video games and other stuff uh, you know, there's a Far Cry game and a Splinter Cell game, or uh, not game, but anime coming. That uh, current Castlevania series is really cool um, and just got announced for some more spinoff of that. There's a new He-Man coming that looks a lot more edgy and cool. Like there's a real return to, especially on Netflix's side, they're like, we really like these things, so we're going to keep making them. And I think that's a really cool thing. I would love to see Alien in that tell me some stories there. Like I like mm-hmm. the comics too, for the same reason, but yeah, um, I, I think alien would be ripe for a cool animated series. That's adult, very violent. You know, you can do those now. Um, I'd be, I'd be all into that. So let's, let's make that happen. For again. sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, oh yeah. Like an animatrix style. Yeah. Like that. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Yeah. You guys, yeah. if you haven't seen that Castlevania show, you're missing out. No, huh? It's badass. Oh my gosh. It's so cool. It's sweary and bloody and and you know, overact overacted and just it's awesome. It's so awesome. Same with that um Scorpion Mortal Kombat thing on HBO Max. Or it was. Someone took it. The recommendal from last week, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Same reason. It's like pulling cuts out and I'm just saying, there's then we need more of that in our lives. All right. I think that's it. You guys have anything else you want to add before we do clips? You want to do clips? Uh, looking through my notes here, I mentioned the Christmas lights on the uh, the bottom of the ship. Yeah, uh, good luck. Porno mag, uh, mother and Siri. Yeah, I think I've got everything. <laughs> See notes here. <laughs> Porno mag, check. Um, <laughs> what else? Yeah, everything that I. Yeah, uh, I love that. Oh, uh, quick note: I watched this on IMDb uh, with ads to start because I thought, oh, I can deal with a few ads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're only how, like, how far did you make it? <laughs> well, there were like eight eight breaks. You can see the breaks right in the little yeah, timeline. Yeah. So I thought, well, these aren't so bad. I can do eight breaks. Those breaks were like six commercials each. And yeah, I said, my. Uh, big middle finger down on this job. I'm not doing that. So I went and rented it for three ninety nine on Prime and watched it in four K. So alien director's have- cut yeah. three ninety nine. Yeah, I know. I was really I bummed. I bought the I bought the six movie collection. And uh, I am bummed that it is not the director's cut. I have it on Blu-ray, so are the director's cuts to the other films or just no, that first one? Probably just the first one, right? 
Um, yeah, probably just the first one. Yeah, I don't think uh, they. He's they talk about the only... some director's cuts on some of the other ones. I'm trying to remember which ones because all of them are different directors, which makes it yeah, weird, right? right? Yeah. But look at the look at this direct look at the, what we got there. Ridley Scott. Then you roll over to James Cameron. Then you roll over to um, uh, uh, David Fincher. And a very early film for him, but I still think it's great. You know, I'd be, I'd be the kind of director, if I was a director, be like, you want to release a director's cut? I released the tactical lease. What do you want from me? Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've already I've already cut it one time. Don't ask me to do it yeah, again. Yeah, don't make me do that it again. That was some bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Right. Some big, gnarly bullshit. I, you know, I obviously haven't seen the theatrical release to compare, but uh, watching this, I felt like, oh, this is a pretty complete movie. Um, I'm I'm kind of confused about what would have been removed from the director's cut to make theatrical release. And my, you know, my best guess is a lot of these longing, slow shots of interiors, like maybe they're just shorter, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. By the way, I just realized when we get around to four, Oh, look who's in this. Okay. Sigourney (laughs) Weaver, winner writer, but then you got Dominique Pinion. He's awesome. Ron Perlman, Michael Wincott. Oh, I love him. Oh no. You know him. You know him. You may not know you know him, but you is know he him. the uh, kind of the little guy? Not little guy, but he's on uh, Ron Perlman's back for a little bit during this. Oh, during this um, movie. I thought that was Dan Hadaya, who is also in this. General Dan Hadaya. No, it's definitely not Dan Hadaya. <laughs> Brad uh, Dorif is in that. You guys, Raymond Cruz. Ah, I'm shitting bricks here. I can't wait for. I can't wait for what everyone thinks is the worst one. I'm so excited. Yeah. Who am I? Oh, J. E. Freeman, maybe. Yeah, I'm no? not sure who that is on his back, but I'm telling you, you know Michael Wincott from things like uh, the what? Oh, shit, what was it called? He's in a million things. He was in Westworld. He played old Bill. That's recent. Um, yeah, no photo in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy, yes. That yeah, that's voice not the of guy his. I'm thinking of either. He's, <laughs> he's so cool, man. Oh, that guy is yeah. just rad. All right. Anyway, more on that soon. Hey guys, I'm kind of hungry. You hungry? Let's be hungry together and satiate that hunger with something from HelloFresh. HelloFresh is amazing. And uh, we have a really cool uh, deal for you guys today, so we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But I mean, look at this. Restaurant quality meals for less? How does that sound to you? In the comfort of your own home? Hmm? Well, HelloFresh's gourmet recipes like balsamic fig sirloin, over 72% cheaper than if you'd got it in an average restaurant. That's according to Zagat's dining survey. That's pretty good savings. And uh, great cooking can be had by all over there at HelloFresh, where right now you can get 12 free meals and free shipping if you go to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSack12 and use the code FilmSack12. 70, or sorry, 27 plus recipes featuring a range of flavors, cuisines, ingredients. You never get bored. You get something new every week. That's fantastic. And HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips. You can just enjoy your cooking at home. Get dinner on the table in like 30 minutes or less. That's pretty rad. And uh, they offer flexibility that you might need to customize your orders every week. So you can add extra proteins and sides, change up the serving sizes when you have guests, that sort of stuff. Or just double up on your favorite recipes. So your box works harder for you. That's what you want, I'm telling you. I love HelloFresh. I've yet to eat anything from HelloFresh I didn't love. And I know you'll feel the same. So go here and try it. Go to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSack12. 
and use the code FILMSAC12 for 12 free meals. That includes free shipping. Do it today. Let's go to clips. Let's go to the clips. Yeah. Um, this is not as clip-worthy as two, is Aliens. Aliens is full of like... A billion clips everyone knows from a thousand. I mean, Randy Bill Paxton gets a hold of this. Exactly. Exactly. Sorry, it is Dominique Pinion or Pinion. 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 Okay. He's the one on his back. Yeah, he's the one on uh, uh, Perlman's back for a little while. Sweet. I just remember Ripley shooting a basket really well. Do you remember that? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Something about that in there. All right. Here's, um, Here's that janky old Fox theme in 1979. crazy that's it it didn't have that banana banana didn't do any of that Just, yeah that was it you think the technology in uh 2121 would have been better for uh, opening <laughs> you'd think in the year 21 was that the oh yeah 2121 oh my gosh they're 100 years ahead of us i didn't it just barely hit me oh wow no kidding it's yeah. the 100th pre-anniversary of <laughs> when alien takes place wow celebrate in whatever way you can everybody all right, here's some talk around the table. I always like this. I think we ought to discuss the bonus situation. Right. Brett and right. I, we think we ought to, we deserve full shares, right, right baby? You see, Mr. Park and I feel that the bonus situation has never been on a, an equitable level. Well, you get what you contracted for like everybody else. Feels like that stuff was improv. Yeah, you guys, you guys ad-lib this. Here's the idea. Just start talking. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I like that, though. Yeah, it, feels, it, feel, it does feel genuine, though. And I like how those two chuckleheads... Um, or just always complaining that they're getting the raw deal, even though the contract's done, they're going to get paid. Like, what's the problem with those two guys? Yeah. yeah. Oh, they're the worst. All right. Um, something. Oh, you guys are like this. It's about transmissions. A transmission? What kind of a transmission? What kind of a deal? What kind of a deal? <laughs> like a, like a, a three, a three gear. Uh, is this a standard transmission? Yeah. What, what is it automatic transmission? You know, it's a standard. <laughs> it's a standard automatic transmission. It's one of those. <laughs> Here's uh, Tom Skerritt. Oh, this is him making a weird noise. So it's him agreeing with something, and he's just kind of tired. So here it is. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. Do you know there's supposed to be a sex scene with him and Sigourney Weaver, and they never did it. Really? Yeah, they were supposed to do that, and they were supposed to. It was supposed to show. That on these long ass, you know, space travel flights, that there'd be casual sex all the time because everyone's crammed together and whatever. And this was supposed to kind of show that. And then I guess Scarrett said he didn't think it added anything to the story. And Scott agreed. Ridley Scott yeah. agreed and they took it out. Can't argue with that at all. Yeah, I think it would have been dumb. It would have been dumb. There's uh, a Mary Roach book. Uh oh gosh, what's it called? There's a Mary Roach book, uh, Packing for Mars, mm. I think is the name of the book, mm. where she she gets into all of the nitty gritty about space travel for humans and like what it's really going to mean when mm. it's this these super long terms. Yeah. And uh, it's sort of like the beginning of popular understanding that uh, it's going to have to be crews that are all women, basically. Mm. Mm. I could see a- that. Yeah. I mean, you can't, it's, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of longevity in that because you need to reproduce once you get there. But, but I think it should be mostly women and like one dude. That's how they should do it. <laughs> Just like a Saturday night yeah. at Ibbett's house. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I softball teed that up for you. That was pretty good. <laughs> you did, served it right to me on a plate. That was awesome. All right. I love this sound technique. 
So you'll know it when you hear it. I just love it. Alien feels like the first time I heard it. It's like, only thing I compare it to is like, loud, 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 quiet, 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 loud, 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 loud. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. So here it is. It's like outdoor yeah. shot, and then let's go to Ash screwing around on his chair for a very quiet. Like I think that stuff uh-huh. is so good. Yeah, this good. is a this is a movie that existed before we all decided that we needed space sounds to be super realistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is it? What is that? Come? It comes from like Star Wars Episode Two is the moment where I think, oh wow, they've they finally decided that we're not gonna. We're like a spaceship isn't like a plane in the air, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, the most, the most, um, accurate maybe sound wise would be like Firefly slash Serenity. The problem is, I think audiences want some sound. Mm-hmm. And so, like, Battlestar maybe got the best balance because it had that weird muffled kind of quality to, to sound. So when the guns were going off and they were fighting Cylons, it'd be like, <laughs> You know, you, you barely hear it, but I, I kind of like that. That was a cool. It idea. is kind of ironic uh, getting that from a movie whose tagline was "In space, no one can hear you scream." Yeah, right. Such a great line, though. Yeah. Wait, that's this movie, Alien. That's yeah. Tagline. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's where it came from. Yeah. I don't know why I always thought it was uh, 2001, but again, way, way too much. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of like. I could see. I. I mean, I never. I thought it was an old phrase from f- just forever, and they just used it. But I guess it was. It was coined here. So, okay. Uh, cool. Here is a tense scene. Hey, Ripley. Right here. We're clean. Let us in. What happened to Kane? Something has attached itself to him. We have to get him to the infirmary right away. What kind of thing? I need a clear definition. An organism. Open the hatch. Wait a minute. If we let it in, the ship could be infected. You know the quarantine procedure. 24 hours for decontamination. It could die in 24 hours. Open the hatch. Listen to me. If we break quarantine, we could all die. Could you open the goddamn hatch? We have to get him inside. Dude, she's so, she's so losing <laughs> it. She loses it the whole movie. She's my she's Easily, the Hudson. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she's Hudson of this movie. I swear. She she gets out of the uh, the, the the cryostasis pod is uh, calm for about a minute <laughs> yeah. and then and then freaks out for the entire rest of the film. Yep, you always need that though. That's the whole point. The ship's got to have one, so she may yeah. as well be it. All right, here's a some defense thing. It's got a wonderful defense mechanism. Oh, defense mechanism. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's an odd sound that came out of Ian Holm. So here's this. All right, there's that. <laughs> I think he was trying to tell someone to be quiet, but uh, when he was looking at like a specimen or something. Um, let's see here. Bow. <laughs> this seems like something that you wouldn't say in a modern day. Back to the old freezerinos. <laughs> <laughs> Making cuppies. <laughs> Ripley. Ripley. Harry Dean stands still as one of the best things. Like he's one of the characters that holds up the most in this whole film. I agree. Every there's nothing. There's no time specific character for <laughs> for Brett. Yep. And, and as long as I live, I will never be able to think of uh, wearing a hat in the rain and not think of uh, Harry Dean Stanton in this movie. Mm, the, right. That wet hat. Oh, that was so is, good. Because again, oh. that's the thing. The movie's taking time to breathe, to let the let those sounds like the 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 rain or whatever that is in there hitting his hat and making that sound. And he stayed there for a while. Yeah. And the tension that builds, I don't know, so good. 
man, you guys are made. I this film sack watching has made me appreciate Alien a thousand times more than I ever have. So I'm really glad we did it. Um, all right, here's John Hurt hurting. Okay, this is hurt him hurting. It's the sound that. Uh, What's his face makes uh, in inner space when he's changing into the cowboy? <laughs> Martin Short. <laughs> oh my gosh, we're watching that soon, aren't we? We are. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. About I hope that. we still are. I think so. Um, all right, here's a Kodo uh, Yafit Kodo laughing. <laughs> all right, there's that. Okay, a real quick one. <laughs> all right, uh, this death always struck stuck with me, and I'll tell you why. I'll just play it first. All right, that's Henry Dean Stanton dying. Mm-hmm. Have the mm-hmm. way he stops, it, and then they—it's oh, so good. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. It's very yeah. chilling, and you know, it just—it was like that moment that his larynx got collapsed or whatever the hell happened. To and him. and most importantly, the cat was just watching, just just watching. watching. Evil little tell shit. you the cat's in on it. Yeah, not helping. No cat would help nope. ever. Nope. Hey, Randy, good news. Uh, Jonesy makes it to the second film as well. So, uh, Of course. Enjoy that. There was no doubt in my mind. Yeah. The cat is a big deal moving forward. All right. Um, how big? This son of a bitch is huge. I mean, it's like a man. It, it's big. I almost made a Brian's ibit or a Tom <laughs> But I didn't do it. Aww. I know. I know. It was a missed opportunity. I decided to it's hold like off this week. It's like a man in a rubber suit. It's huge. <laughs> <laughs> um. I wrote, she's the Hudson of this movie. And then don't blame the others. <laughs> no, you're out of your mind. You got a better idea? Yes. I say that we abandon the ship. We get the shuttle and just get the hell out of here. We take our chances and just hope that somebody Lambert. picks us up. Yeah, Lambert, dude. Game over, man. Yeah, game over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, the shuttle only holds three. Uh, anyone in favor of just leaving Lambert here? Yeah, and, uh, right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, leave I was I was really enjoying trying to track uh Veronica Cartwright's accent, uh especially in that moment. <laughs> right. Um, is she where's she from? Because she's she was she was born and raised in Bristol. That's England. right. Oh wow. That's right. Yeah. I do remember her from Body Snatchers. That's about the only other thing I could think of with her. Hmm. Um she's still with us, doing good. She is, yeah. Yep. Yep. Has something coming out. Uh, well, she's made an appearance on The Good Doctor this season and is working on something called How to Talk with Spirits. Oh, no. <laughs> she was, uh, she's the exact same age as uh, Sigourney Weaver and uh, was absolutely convinced that they were cast in opposite roles. She uh, oh, wow. uh, claims that she literally walked onto the set of Alien, prepared to play Ripley. And uh, was told to, you know to get ready to play Lambert, and was like, "Wait, what? No, I'm Ripley," and uh, had to be uh, had to kind of start over with her prep. Well, what did what did <laughs> Ripley get told, or what did Sigourney Weaver? Which did she come in the same, or what was her thing? We actually don't know. I I, I don't know, but mm. it uh, apparently in the casting uh, they confused Veronica Cartwright as to what she was going to be playing, and it kind of raises the question what would this movie have been like or the series or the universe that we live in yeah. if they had been uh playing the opposite roles right by the way without looking can anyone remember which this movie included so three total movies we've seen with sigourney weaver in them can you can you name them Ooh, on the uh, show? galaxy quest 
Nope, we haven't. No, we Gal- didn't actually do Galaxy yeah, Quest. We did Ghostbusters no. two. Oh, we talked about Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Right. Oh, I, I know what the third one is because All right. it's one of my favorite. So movies. Ghostbusters two is correct. Alien is correct. What's the third? Randy, what do you think it is? I know what it is. I'm. I'm. I just said it's one of my favorite movies. I'm curious if that is enough to to give the working prime. girl incorrect. <laughs> watched it on film sack. Yeah, one, we did. one of my favorite movies. Star Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm concerned about this because if you're uh, thinking of the one that is correct, I can't believe that's I can't believe that's one of your favorite <laughs> movies because I hate that movie. That's my one of my least favorite movies we've ever covered. So I'm shocked to you hear this. We talked about this when we sacked it. Scott, Did we? You and I. You and wow, I. Had why am I not remembering? Uh, it's a smaller role, though. We'll say that it's not a huge part. Let's say her character is called Alice Hunt. Does that help anybody? Ah, uh, yes, Finding Dory. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. I mean, okay, okay. The stars, Avatar. The no. stars hey. of the movie are Joaquin Phoenix and Bryce Dallas Howard. But oh, I, would okay. say, I would say that Sigourney Weaver was the third yeah. highest build yeah. in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was the elder oh, in the, the village. village. The village. Yeah, that is correct. Right. I hated the village. I forgot that she was even in that. Holy cow. Yeah. Because that movie's bad, mm. Brian. That's why. You mm. know, and she wasn't mm-hmm. in it very long. Very. Uh, yeah. Where do we see Tom Scared? Alien, Contact, and Top Gun. I love this new tool. This is so great. Mm-hmm. It I'm is going to be really annoying cool, yeah. about this in the future. Speaking of Top Gun, has there ever been a film in your lifetime that was in the can and ready to be seen longer than Maverick? <laughs> uh, mean, Quiet Place Part 2? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was, might have it beat by a week. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, it's unbelievable. I yeah. but we don't have a release date yet for Maverick. It's just like it's just sitting oh, that's there. That's true. That, right. It just it continues to to win <laughs> while a Quiet yeah. Place Two has been released. Maverick just continues to uh, to beat it in its uh, shelf life. Every oh. time I've looked it up, it's a different date. It's currently expected to be released in November, but I mean <laughs> that movie's been complete for like two years. Uh, well, that's I don't know when we're going to. They see apparently it. don't feel the need, the for, need for speed. The need for speed. Yep. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Final couple feel uh, things here. The feels. This feels real. I wrote. Oh, this is the one. Okay, this is the one where I really think she's pissed at Kodo. Okay. Mm, it just comes oh, through no. the scene. So here you go. Well, let's talk about killing it. We know it's using the air shafts. Will you listen to me, Parker? Shut up. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> it's using the air shafts. We don't that's know that. the only way i think she's mad at him i really yeah, do. i think she is yeah. too that is perfect i've been that asshole and that is the sound of someone tired of your shit yeah yeah <laughs> yeah like i'm really really good all right here's uh gross ash noises yeah that's what oh, gross yeah. me out that gross me out maybe not the most because your, your magazine water made a good point but that, out of space. that's really gross <laughs> and then here's him gurgling. You still don't understand what you're dealing with, do you? Perfect organism. Its structural perfection is matched only by its hostility. You admire it. I admire its purity. I just love that whole scene. Yeah. Wow, so I didn't realize he was aping on those lines in Fifth Element, but he mm-hmm. says almost oh, the exact same thing. Oh, wow. oh, weird. That didn't hit me till you just said it. Perfect organism. <laughs> All right. Uh, well done, everybody. Now this. Oh, look. 
It's the film sack checklist. We found a horrible space dildo and should have turned back. Check. <laughs> Did that thing in your chest hurt? John hurt. Check. And finally, acid blood going down. Check. That stuff would keep going if it could. Uh, let's get to the sound or the uh, Star Trek connections now. This new tool that Bombats has magically formed also has Star Trek connections. So I'm really curious how these match up with what Randy has. So Randy, did you get a list of uh, things? I only I only really wanted to talk about Jerry Goldsmith because there's there's not really anything else like. There, there's a couple of things like there's a there's a editor named uh, uh, Ben Burt that uh, has some Star Trek credits, but uh, this movie just doesn't have any overlap with any of the Star Trek properties except Jerry Goldsmith, who is all over Star Trek when you start digging in, and and really he only composed the theme for the motion picture, mm-hmm. like that's really his thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But he gets credited, uh, you know, all over because. They, they reuse, reuse that, that theme. theme. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when so, first contact, is that not him? Cause there's like a theme to the first contact. That's a little yeah, different. Is it's that based him? on his theme from star Trek, the motion picture. So he gets a credit. Okay. Uh, I, and I just, I, I just copied out, uh, copied out a quick little uh, story here. Uh, Jerry Goldsmith and Ridley Scott were, uh, they had great conflict over the score for this movie mm-hmm. where, uh, Goldsmith had intended it to begin with like these melodic themes and then move to these alien themes and then move to these horror themes. Yeah. Right. And, uh, Ridley Scott, uh, get dropped in and was just like, no, we're cutting this, we're cutting this, we're cutting this. And, uh, so as a result, like the really ominous parts of the movie are very, very quiet. And Jerry Goldsmith was not pleased. (laughs) He, uh, he came away, uh, you know, uh, finding that, you know, basically his work had been, uh, uh, you know, injured. And, uh, so they are, there are uh, alien soundtracks out there. Apparently I haven't, uh, found them, but uh, there are alien soundtracks out there that have Jerry Goldsmith's intended score. Oh, interesting. And, uh, you're hmm. supposed to listen to it and judge for yourself. Um, just not to keep honking the horn that is Bombats, but I just got uh, a hold uh, of the major, like the the overall stats page, not just the per episode one. Holy schmoo, this is good. But um, one of my favorite things on here is top 10 Star Trek connections. You'll never guess which movie had the most Star Trek actors in it. Um, uh, Star Trek. Star Trek? Um, <laughs> right. No. Uh, funny enough, no. Uh, the Island. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. And there's the whole, and he has it, uh, all the data for it, like who and what and why. Like, it's mostly behind the scenes people. So it's a big technical reason, but that's just crazy. It might like and minority that reports that number list, four. That list doesn't include Star Trek things. It must, well, it must not, because I mean, everybody. Doesn't. Well, yeah. not, yeah, not, not Star Trek things per se, but like, you know, like people who have worked on the most Star Trek stuff and this, right? right. Uh, that's where it collides. But it's really interesting. This, this whole thing is so rad. All right. Anyway, let's move on uh, to this, which is the soundtrack post. No, this what? No, sorry, the soundtrack grade. I'm giving it an SGJG for some good Jerry Goldsmith. All right, moving on. Uh, the Twitter post is uh, you guys summon this thing up in 280 characters or less, and I believe today we will start with Randy Jordan. Alien, the true story of humanity writ large. We are all a bunch of men in conflict with each other and our silly computers, and we're too dumb to survive. And in the end, we'll all be survived by a woman and her cat. There you go. Hmm. That's true. Truer than you think when you get to two. Uh, Brian Dunaway. 
Alien, space lord, mother, mother, take me home. That alien then got me pregnant, and I'm never doing face hugging again. Mmm, spaghetti and milk. <laughs> and bad caviar. Ugh. Cheap caviar. Mm, and onions. Yeah, complete caviar. But uh, Rounding us up, Brian Ibbett. Alien. Ripley, I do admire its simplicity. It's unclouded by conscience, remorse, or delusions of morality. It's not encumbered by the need to cuddle, the need to call three days later, the need to pay for a lift ride home. It's the perfect orgasm. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Did not see that coming, I have to admit. Normally I can can kind of semi-predict where you guys are going to go, but not that one. (laughs) (laughs) Not one of my usual ones. That was really interesting. All right, now this. Just handed these alternate titles, uh, Chef's Table Crab Edition, or The Most Dangerous Latch. Get it? Because it latches onto your face. Or, there's a third one, Parker and Brett negotiate for a better rate. There you go. Uh, They did. Uh, Yeah, they did. Quick emails here from the email pile. We get these at filmsack at gmail.com. Huge thanks to everybody who sends in your emails. Please keep them coming. We got one from Tony Glass who says, saw this weird movie a couple of years ago, or months ago rather, and would make an amazing Halloween movie to sack this October. It is called Motel Hell. It is. Oh, yeah. He says it's very weird, crazy stuff worth keeping an eye on to see if it streams or shows up. Thanks, Tony. Uh, it sounds like you know this film. I know this film only by its commercials uh, I never actually saw the film itself, but it's uh, a couple, old, you know, a hillbilly couple that run a hotel, and then they kill people by wearing pig masks and using chainsaws. And is this uh, like from the same people who did um, Happy Death Day or something like that? No, it's so much earlier than the Bloomhouse stuff. This is like seventy. Oh wow! Like yeah, early eighties, maybe early eighties, nineteen eighty to be exact. I just, there we go. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, this. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I've okay. I think I've said, oh, we need to do this when we find it. And yeah. I'm looking to see if it's on our keep an eye out for it list, but it's not. So I think I got <laughs> a young John Ratzenberger and uh, Wolfman. Really? Yeah, yeah Wolfman, Wolfman Jack. Jack. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Well, that sounds yeah. great. Yeah, Someone we can watch it down. on Tubi right now. It's or Pluto TV. Yeah. Well, it feels like an October thing, but either way, we should we should definitely that should get in there. That seems like right a no brainer. Uh, David in Chicago says, "Hey Sackers, I just found out yesterday that Elvira has her own movie, and it happens to be actually streaming on Amazon Prime. It's called nice. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. It looks like yeah. it was a box office bomb. Yeah, are you sure? Uh, yeah. With a pretty dumb premise, but it also seems like great material for you guys to sack. Thanks and keep up the great work. Boy, a lot of a lot of people." Uh, planting ideas about October already in here. This is great. Yeah. 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 See, it feels I've like seen I, this I, one you have, is yeah. it comedy? Cause yeah. that's what it feels like it would be and would be it's harder all, to sack. Yeah. It's always comedy, but is mm-hmm. such a weird misplaced comedy. That's kind of out of style that there may be something there. I'll, I'll run back I'm, through it. I'm guessing there's a lot of humor centered around her breasts. Yeah. Probably well, not a boomer or boomer. Yeah. We'd like to call it boomers. Um, Eric, <laughs> we got one final email from Eric Knapp who says, hello, Sackers. Month ago, you sacked The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. In the sacking, one of you mentioned the non-existent sequel referenced at the end of the film. Well, hmm. all those years later, we have something finally. Someone has written a sequel as a book. Oh, It's called Buckaroo Banzai Against World League. Love the show, Ooh. Eric. So if anyone wants to grab that, Amazon actually has this. You can go Kindle or buy it. Uh, Buckaroo Banzai Against World League. And I guess that's uh, the finally the sequel can be 
can be shared. Right. But it sounds like fan. that's probably fan written, right? That's not going to be like that. It's got to be. Yeah. No. I'll still consume it either way. Yeah, it seems like a fun. <laughs> seems like a fun time. Uh, yeah, there it is. Against World Crime, hard copy for eighteen bucks, or you can get it free on Kindle. Yeah, maybe that's the way to do it. Get it on your phone or even or whatever. Oh, still mourning the loss of his beloved Perry Pretty. <laughs> uh, this is this looks terrible. All right. Well, anyway, yeah. the reviews are non-existent. Okay. Uh, there you have it. There's your book book recommendation and your fine email selection this week on FilmSack. FilmSack at gmail.com is the email address. Please keep them coming next week. It's our watch along of Tuvix, an episode of Star Trek Voyager where Tuvok and what's his name? Linux? Linux. Nailed it. Yeah, Annie Lennox. They come together finally and produce a combination of the two. It sounds real dumb. I don't remember it at all. So we're pretty excited about this. Um, that's because we got some people How out of town. Captain Janeway that's deal right. with two is one. <laughs> uh, we well. like we like doing these when we do them, but also it means someone's out of town. So whoever that is, good. Oh, it's Brian's uh, family reunion. The so. family reunion. Woo! Yeah, good times. Uh, so watch for that next week right here on FilmSack. In the meantime, FilmSack.com is our website. You can find uh, us via email, like I said, FilmSack at gmail.com. And as always, FilmSack on Twitter. And if you'd like to leave us reviews wherever you get your podcast, that'd be nice, too. That's going to do it for us, for me, for Brian, for Brian, and for Randy. Quit griping. We'll see you next time. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com.